Hey friends, I hope you're comfortable and safe and healthy, or at least working your way toward those things. Are you finding some time for yourself while doing the things you have to do but don't necessarily love doing? Maybe listening to this podcast is part of your me time, as folks like to call it. Or maybe you're listening to this podcast while doing one of those aforementioned things that you don't necessarily love doing in order to make that task feel a little bit easier. Regardless, you're spending time with me, and I appreciate it. Thank you. If you've listened to this podcast, then you know me, and you know what this podcast is. If this is your first time checking out the People Are the Enemy podcast, welcome. Hello. My name is Andy Mascola. I'm the host of the show. I post at least one new episode of this fine program every week. Sometimes on the show I'll talk to a creative person whose work I'm interested in. Sometimes I'll do a funny bit. Sometimes I'll read you a story, and sometimes I'll just monologue. I've been hosting this podcast faithfully uh, ever since January 1st, 2018. I love doing it. I have no intention of ever stopping. There's no Patreon set up for People Are the Enemy, and there are no ads. All I've ever asked of listeners of this podcast is that if you love to read, or you just enjoy what I do and you want to help support myself in this podcast monetarily, all I've ever asked is that you purchase one or two of my novels. There are seven currently available in both paperback and ebook formats worldwide via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my books in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, wow, thank you so, so much. I sincerely hope you found something to love in my stories. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People Are the Enemy listeners, this is episode 131 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Guess what we're doing today? Yep, bathtub episode. It's been a while since I've done one of these, and uh, and I thought it'd be fun. And plus, uh, I need a bath. So let, let's, let's go, if you will, uh, with me now to the tub. Alright! Rocking and rolling in here already. You can hear the water running. I've had it on for a little bit there in preparation of this, of course. And I will now disrobe. Now, you know, I, I want you to know there's no creepy intent as far as this is concerned. If you think I'm getting some kind of turn on from this or it's some kind of kink for me to undress and uh, bathe myself while recording a podcast, uh, you've got the wrong idea. It's intimate, for sure, but I think that's part of the charm. Maybe that's the only charm. Anyway, I'm just going to get myself undressed here. I've already been out for a walk today. It's going to be like 91 today here in New England, and uh, super humid. 
So, so uh, I'm staying in, and I'm probably going to be just cranking the air conditioning, and, and other than getting together with a friend of mine this afternoon after lunch, I'm going to be pretty much uh, laying low and probably keeping cool and reading. And off come the shorts. And of course, yes, the undergarments. And I will now enter the bath. Oh, that's lovely. You know, in the past, I've made the mistake of, uh, of making the bath water way too hot. Thinking like, oh, you know, it'll, it's standing water. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get cool real quick. But, um, but I think the trick is to, to, to keep it, you know, lukewarm. You know, about, about what my body temperature is right now. You know, so I, I've got a list here of things to talk about, just to, just to, to keep the show moving along because obviously I don't want to bore you. I think I've, you know I found that especially when I do a monologue show, is that uh, one of the things I, I like to do is keep the, the topics moving along, if only because it keeps it interesting for me and for you, the listener. And I know it's like a fan of podcasts and the guy who listens to shows regularly and uh, and uh, people who monologue, you know, or are especially good at it. They they kind of keep it moving. Let me do this real quick here, listeners. I'm going to take my glasses off. I'm going to dunk my head under the water here just so I can, um, you know, uh, just get myself clean. Just be a moment. Forgive me. I'm going to be gone for just a second. I'll, I promise I'll be right back. I'm just going under the water. Here we go. Oh, God. Oh, I'm good. glasses. Oh, here they are. Oh, you know, it's all right to take a bath every once in a while. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, this is the only time I do this. Whenever I'm doing the podcast, an episode where I, uh, now don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean this is the only time I bathe. I bathe regularly. You know, I bathe every day. But it's always a shower. The only time I'm ever uh, uh, inclined to take a bath is if I'm doing something for this podcast. Because uh, again, I think it's intimate. It's kind of funny, I suppose, to listen to a, a grown man in a bathtub uh, just talking to you. And, uh, and, and then that's pretty much it. And I should mention, while I'm on the topic of uh, taking a bath and recording it, I, I uh, again, this is an homage in part to Phil Hendry, whose uh, uh, frequent callers have a knack of, for whatever reason, calling from the bathtub. So it's, it's in, no, I'd, I'd say it's original. It's not an original idea. It's, uh, again, inspired by one of my broadcasting heroes, Phil Hendry. If you don't know Phil Hendry, you should check him out. He is fantastic. Really, really funny. Oh, you know, um, oh, this is something I wanted to talk about. I hadn't mentioned this, and I, I don't know if um, I don't know if you knew, but uh, I have a cat, or we we have a cat named Princess Kitty, and we've had her since our daughter was four years old. She was a gift to our daughter on her fourth birthday, and Princess Kitty was was brand new then, just a just um, just uh, born, and, and obviously uh, at a point in her uh, early growth when you, it's time to take the cats away from the mom, and uh, they go into to individualized homes, and we happened to adopt this cat from uh, my sister-in-law, who had a cat who had a litter, and one of these cats was uh, and became Princess Kitty, our cat, our daughter's cat. Well, uh, we've had her for 15 years, and as of the 14th of July, Princess Kitty went missing. Yeah, 
It, 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 it's sad, and, and it was... It was strange, if only because, you know, you have a pet, and especially, like, with a, with a cat where it's indoors and outdoors, and cats are, um, you know, traditionally and notoriously independent creatures, and Princess Kitty was, was an absolutely in, independent uh, individual where she'd basically, we were there just to basically open the door for her and let her out, and she was an indoor-outdoor cat, and she came and went as she saw fit, and uh, we never, we never, you know, other than putting, like, a, uh, um, that stuff on the back of her neck in order to keep fleas and ticks away we didn't we didn't keep a collar on her at all you know it just she she basically her, her domain was our neighborhood and, and sometimes that you know you'd see her walking down the street uh, but mostly she stayed around our house and in our backyard and she uh, when she wanted to come in she came to the front door she'd like to go out at night but anyway on the 14th of, of this month um my daughter said I'm, I'm worried i haven't seen princess kitty around and it was at that point I started thinking, my gosh, yeah, I haven't seen Princess Kitty around either. My goodness. So, so we both combed the whole house to make sure that she wasn't trapped somewhere, uh, like in the basement or something, or in a closet. And uh, yeah, she 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 has had just disappeared. And um, and uh, my daughter was obviously concerned. My daughter was closer to this cat than uh, my wife and I, uh, in part obviously because the cat was a gift to her. But she wanted to do whatever we could to try to find Princess Kitty and get her back home. So so we immediately started posting things on, on, on social media, on Facebook, and the Nextdoor app. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that's a way uh, for your folks in your neighborhood to kind of keep in touch and communicate about things going on in your neighborhood. And um, there were a couple um, other independent, like, pet-finding websites uh, that uh, that we uh, posted information to and photographs of our cat, and uh, people were wonderful. And, and by the way, if you follow me on Twitter, a lot of a lot of folks saw my post on Twitter about our missing cat, and they uh, they responded with with uh, empathy and uh, also helped kind of uh, promote the um, the post by 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 retweeting uh, my 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 tweet about Princess Kitty. And if you did, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so, so much for, for doing that. That was super considerate and thoughtful. And I appreciate all the empathy and the thoughts. Uh, it's now been over a week since the cat's gone missing. And uh, we're, at, we're at a point now where we're kind of thinking, well, you know, cats do get older. And there's a tendency for cats to, to sometimes, especially when they're older and they know they're near the end, uh, they, they, they kind of walk off into the, to the woods. And, and, and just uh, um, expire, you know, or walk off wherever they walk off to, I don't know, and, and expire. And, and we're, we're kind of leaning toward the fact that maybe, maybe that's what happened to, to our cat, Princess Kitty. So, so but uh, we're going to give it another, another week here. I, I heard that in, in some cases, you know, one person I think responded and said, you know, my cat was gone for three weeks before she, she reappeared. So I figure that's, that's... That's a good amount of time to give an animal before you start taking down the signs and you let people know that thank you so much for all the help. But uh, at this point, we're gonna we're gonna just assume that that uh, Princess Kitty is gone for good. But well, so that's going on right now, and it's sad, of course, because we've had the cat for so long, and our daughter cared so much for that cat. And I just you know I I always remind I always reminded our daughter while while uh, the cat was uh, with us was that. Uh, you know, this cat has a great life. She comes and goes as she pleases. Uh, we've never declawed her. Um, she uh, she doesn't have to wear a collar. She has a run of the house, except for, you know, 
um, the, the master bedroom and the, in the, in the spare bedroom where I work. Um, and, and we let her in and out and we, we feed her regularly and we, we take good care of her, you know? And I just, uh, I always, always wanted to just remind her or keep it, make it sure that she knew that, uh, while the cat was again with us, that, that she was having a great life. So not that it makes it any easier, obviously losing an animal, but, um, you know, a family pet, you know, you can become attached, you know, and it's, it's weird. Life without her is weird. You know, I was so accustomed to, to waking up in the morning and seeing the cat right there at the front door, you know, through the little, uh, side window on the door and letting her in and, uh, um, giving her fresh food and fresh water and, um, you know, taking care of her litter and, and everything else and, and that that's not happening anymore is, is strange. And it's, it's a hard, uh, hard, uh, adaption anyway so we're looking uh, we're looking at other options uh, as far as as far as possible uh, pets down the road and we're gonna we're gonna explore if, if again Princess Kitty does not return which it seems at this point that she may not uh, we may look into dog adoption I've never owned a dog it should be a it should be an adventure anyway uh, you know I said I was gonna keep this podcast moving I didn't mean to, to dwell on that for so long listeners thank you for listening uh, did you guys hear about this this UFO story? You know about the, the Pentagon? I, this is the New York Times reported. This isn't, you know, you hear a lot of UFO stories and you say, oh, whatever, you know, we've been hearing that for the last 40 years, et cetera, et cetera. And of course you have, probably uh, before that, I'm sure, like, right, when, what was um, the whole Area 51 thing went down? What, in the 50s, I think? I don't know, and, you know, obviously um, UFOs have been, you know, purported to be around forever. But this this was interesting. So the, the New York Times reported there's uh, uh, that uh, the Pentagon may have physical evidence an off-world vehicle, or I guess off-world vehicles, not made on this earth. Can you imagine? I lost my mind when I read that. I was like, oh my God. The, the U.S. government is admitting that they they have evidence of a UFO, and they're going to, what, show us, release it, give us pictures? I, I, I can't believe it, you know? I, I, it's, it's, it's in some ways, I think, you know, I think if I was like, you know, a, 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 a teenage, a teenage guy, I'd probably be excited as an older fellow. I'm kind of trepidatious and a little worried <laughs> about, you know, the possibility of, of, uh, alien life visiting earth, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, you know, that, that fear as you get older, you know, but I, I suppose I'm a, I'm a victim of that, you know, uh, do you like Thai food? Uh, we went to this uh, this Thai restaurant. I, I you know I've had some Thai food. There's there's things that uh, that I enjoy um, uh, as far as uh, as far as uh, food from Thailand goes. I've had red curry before. I think in Boston a couple times I had like a red curry sandwich. Oh, it's dynamite! This time we went to this this new Thai restaurant, or well, new to us at least, um, about uh, 20 25 minutes away from the house, and uh, my wife had the uh, the day off and. My daughter and I were available, so the three of us went there, and I had uh, green curry. Oh my gosh, so good, so good! I, it, you know, and this is the, the kind of thing you get to. You can order this green curry, and, and I, you know, I'm I'm the kind of person if I'm if I'm at a restaurant that I've never been at before, I'll I'll, I'll tend to usually ask the uh, the wait, the staff or the wait person there, like, what do you like? What do you think is good? Do you, you think I'd like that? You know, and then I'll tell them what I what I enjoy. You know, but but this time I just looked at the menu, and they had those. You know, the little chili pepper icons, so you can tell, like, uh, the spiciness of a dish. And, uh, you know, I don't mind spicy. I know I, I use uh, 
I use Tabasco sauce, and people are probably laughing, Tabasco, you know. <clears throat> but you know, I've I use Cholula, I've, I've used I've used other things, and and uh, I don't I don't mind you know the spiciness, even that like you know like the hot mustard that they give you at at Chinese uh, restaurants, or um, you know uh, Asian themed restaurants will be that that hot mustard. I'll I'll, I'll mix that into the uh, to the rice. I have no problem with that. It clears out my sinuses, you know. I don't know if that's considered hot. I don't know what that's considered, but anyway. So I the the green curry was three chili peppers. And I was like, oh, you know, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty spicy. I'll give that a shot, you know, and I'll see what it's like. I had no idea what it tasted like. I got it with the tofu because I don't eat chicken or beef or pork. Of course, they had those options there, but I got it with, uh, with tofu. And, um, and it was pretty good. You know, it was like, it was like, uh, so if you can imagine, it was like a lot of uh, vegetables in a bowl, essentially, with this, with this, uh, curry, sauce it was and it was you know it's called green curry it really is green uh, and it, it kind of almost tasted like it looked you know like a like a, a lime and a, a coconut and a spicy of course and with the pieces of, of tofu it was good it was good i get it again when again when i go to a, a new restaurant i'll try something i've never tried before usually i ask i probably I probably uh, maybe should have asked, uh, but uh, but I think I made a right decision there. I think I tried to, uh, tried something new for myself, and I uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. You know, I, last week I, I talked a bit about in the opening monologue about uh, the Beastie Boys book, and uh, how I just finished the Beastie Boys book. I I, I returned it uh, soon after uh, that uh, last week's episode and to the library. But just before I returned it, I thought to myself, my goodness, there's so many great recommendations. In this book, through the whole thing, you know, it's it's um, the two surviving members of the Beastie Boys do the the, the bulk of the writing. Adam Horowitz and uh, Michael Diamond, uh, aka Ad Rock and Mike D. Thank you very much. Um, anyway, they throughout the entire the entire book, they they're constantly recommending music and artists, and, and their their musical knowledge goes deep. These guys are are real fans, and I thought well, before I. And, and, and while I was reading it, I'd explore some of these artists. I, 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 I'd uh, look something up on Spotify and listen to a, a channel based on an artist that they perhaps recommended, maybe like an old-school hip-hop act I'd never checked out before, or a, a, a punk band from uh, the early 80s in New York City that I'd never heard. But one thing I wanted to do before I returned the book, I said, I, I, should, really, I should really find like an artist that they've mentioned a lot that I, I have no real familiarity with as far as their discography and, and try to dive in and, and, and really, really get into it, you know, and to try to try to find something new and, and walk away from this book with a little piece of something that inspired uh, the Beastie Boys, you know. Um, and what I ended up doing, as, as I've done a lot with, the, with, with, the, with nonfiction, is you go through the index and it shows you all the page numbers, uh, the references, basically, all the, the the numbered pages for for uh, every reference for a, a certain person or a um, a product or you know whatever it is obviously you know you know what an index is I don't have to tell you anyway so I thought like if I find an artist in here with an inordinate amount of page references then I'll I'll give that person a try you know or that band a try and what I ended up with was Fela Kuti. Do, do you know Fela Kuti? I don't know if it's Fela or Fela. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Um, I did, but only tangentially. 
you know, I'd, I'd heard of Fela Kuti. I forget how I'd first heard of Fela Kuti. I want to say it was from, like, a Boston terrestrial radio station, of all things. Um, and I remember long, a long time ago, at, when I first heard of Fela Kuti, it might have been even around the time that, that he passed, because, you know, it was, it was uh, late 90s that he lived until. Uh, but I remember doing some research and reading a bit about his life and being fascinated by, by this guy and the life he led. You know, he was uh, not only uh, a musician who was, uh, uh, they consider the godfather of uh, Afrobeat, the Afrobeat genre, but uh, he, was, uh, he, was, uh, he, was, he was righteous. You know what I mean? He was, uh, he was you know, he was for the people. His uh, political party was called the MOP, the uh, Movement of the People. And, uh, you know, at, at that time, I don't know if this is still going on in Nigeria, but it was, you know, a very corrupt country, the country that he was from in Africa. It was the sixth largest uh, oil, uh, oil producing country in the world. So as, as such, it had a lot of wealth. But the people of Nigeria uh, did not see that well. And, and Fela thought this was unfair, and rightfully so. And, uh, and he spoke out about this, and he had a huge following, and he was very, uh, very popular in Lagos, Nigeria, where he was headquartered. He basically had set himself up with a, uh, a compound of sorts there, where he was, he was at one point married to 27 women. Can you believe that? My gosh, right? And, and of course, you know, uh, uh, this guy is out all the time singing, singing uh, uh, songs and and uh, riling people up and getting people uh, motivated and, and uh, letting them know, you know, how unfair things are in, in the country. And, and, and of course the government takes notice and they, they, uh, they, they, they gave him hell. But, but he, he was fearless. Fela was fearless. And, and so I, I found some music that, that was interesting to me by Fela Kuti. I, I wrote one of the songs down. Oh, Fear Not For Man. I think it was one of his, like, the song that he put out in the late 70s. And all his songs are really long. This one's like 25 minutes long. But that one, that's the one that got me. I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm down with this. This is cool. So then I, I wanted to do a little more research. And on Canopy, an app I've talked about, I know on this podcast before, it's a it's an app that it's available to uh, patrons of, of libraries across America for free. You can watch films through it. I think you, at least through mine, you get 10 films a month. And uh, there was, I looked up Fela Kuti because I said, maybe there'll be something on, uh, about Fela Kuti on Canopy. And sure enough, there was. And it was this documentary called uh, Fela Kuti, Music is the Weapon. And it's like this hour-long documentary that was made in 1982, where it's footage of Fela uh, performing, uh, footage of him um, at home, you know, watching TV and uh, just talking about uh, the un injustices of the world, showing showing uh, his scars from where he was beat by uh, by the military police, you know, just just horribly beaten. But uh, again, he was he was righteous, and he was you know refused to, to give up. And uh, he, you know, I, I think at one point his compound was just set upon by like like I think they said like a thousand military police uh, people, and um, he was brutally beaten to an edge of his life. And his mother was thrown out of the window. Can you imagine throwing an old woman out the window? These horrible men. And, and they, they, they did horrible things to his wife, uh, his wives, of course. Uh, just, just horribly treated. But he, it didn't stop him. He didn't give up. He, he persisted. And, you know, it, you know it's, it's hard to find heroes. But, you know, you look at the story of Fela Kuti and you think, like, oh, this guy was a hero, right? He was, he was pretty righteous, right? He was out, you know, he was... Um, he was out to help uh, to help the, help the masses, and 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 basically, you know, 
he saw the system as being corrupt and, and he wanted to change it. You know, what's wrong with that? You know, it's hard to find heroes these days. You know, there's, there, there's so many artists, you know, and I, I'm not going to mention any names, but there's this weird, this weird embrace of, of far-right fascistic ideologies from, from, uh, from artists who would at one time otherwise been known for, um, you know, again, being, being righteous in a way that, you know, um, um, you know, wanting to help people and being benevolent and um, embracing uh, the alienated or, um, or those underserved or those uh, that are otherwise looked down upon by society and trying to lift them up and, uh, and, and um, make people see, you know, the good, you know. But uh, so it's some, you know, heroes fall by the wayside. They're, you know, some people can't, some people can, I should say, listen to, to artists that have, have kind of showed another side of themselves over time and, and maybe real turn off because again, uh, the embrace of, of these ideologies that aren't, you know, that aren't, in my opinion, are not cool at all, you know? And, uh, and they can continue to, to support these artists and listen to them and put that aside and say, well, it's, I'm, I, you know, I like the, I appreciate their art, you know, but for me, it's, it's all one thing. And, and I hate, I hate to do it, but if I find out that an artist I'd otherwise respected or previously thought highly of had said some horrible things or, uh, regarding, um, minorities or, um, or even, you know, a cultural inclusion. Uh, then, then I, I'm turned off and, 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 and I literally turn off. I, 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 I will not support that artist monetarily or, or, or otherwise, you know, I will, I will walk away. You know what I just realized? I don't have, I don't have my script in here for the, uh, the end of the show, but we're, we're coming up on it. And I like to, I did play the theme song, so I, I want to obviously obviously give credit where credit is due to our, our friend there who created the theme song. So let me get out of this tub. And I'm going to drain it. Maybe you can hear that. And I'm going to dry myself off. And then we'll go back in the studio and we'll finish up. What else can I tell you? Was there anything else like I meant to tell you? Oh, you know what I started watching again? I started watching uh, Twin Peaks The Return. That's that one that came out a few years back on Showtime, where basically it's, you know, 25 years and they, they pick up the story. And, uh, and yeah, I know a lot of people kind of frowned on it or, you know, and I think even initially, I, 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 uh, I kind of, I watched a, a handful of the, the first episodes that came out and then I was like, I don't, I'm not really into this. And I moved on, but I'll tell you what, I, uh, I found myself drawn to it. I'm going to turn on the door fan in here. It's, it's, it's humid. I found myself drawn to it. There's a weird kind of like comfort in it. You know what I mean? I just think it's David Lynch. You know, I've loved, I love it. I've loved David Lynch ever since, you know, I was 16 years old, you know, and, uh, I think it's just his style and his way of, uh, his way of directing and obviously storytelling. And there's so many things in this in Twin Peaks The Return that you can just see him kind of following his muse, you know what I mean? Like, a, you know, at least once in every episode of this new, uh, I say new, you know, new, the newest version of Twin Peaks, there's like a, uh, a scene at the Roadhouse, which is like the, uh, um, the bar, uh, that, uh, is in the town of Twin Peaks, uh, where there's a band playing or an artist, 
and it gets uh, the band or artist gets introduced, and then there's this beautiful footage of the the artist performing. Uh, sometimes there's dialogue of people in the audience, but there's always like a scene of the audience kind of swaying to the music, you know, and you get the feeling that like, like I know like David Lynch directed one concert film. I think he did uh, for uh, his his uh, his secretary who also had a couple albums, Julie Cruz. You know, she's dynamite. If you ever you ever find a Julie Cruz album, check it out. She's got a beautiful voice. But yeah, she initially started as David Lynch's receptionist, believe it or not. Anyway, but I know he directed like a, a film. I've never seen it, like a concert film for Julie Cruz. Um, so obviously he has an interest in that. And the man's put out albums, you know, collaborative albums and then albums on his own of music. And the soundtracks to all his projects are always wonderful and uh, kind of forward thinking and uh, and uh, and always kind of eye opening. Um and sometimes bizarre, which is which is also nice, but uh, but yeah, I, you, you get the feeling like while watching this and seeing these this footage at the end of each episode of this artist performing, whether it's uh, Au Revoir Simone, who's this great uh, synthesizer um, act, or or Nine Inch Nails, obviously who folks know really well, but you get the feeling that like Lynch like really loved this and wanted to to have this kind of included in these episodes, if only to. Uh, to be able to introduce these artists to folks who may not know them otherwise, or just as an appreciative act, you know, to say, "Hey, look how look how great this is," you know. But uh, regardless, I, I'm enjoying it, even even the third go round of it. And sometimes I'll have it on with just subtitles, and I'll you know, and I'll look up every now and see it uh, now and then, and see it up from the couch, and you know, uh, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's a great scene. This is a this is really fun. Yeah, good stuff." Anyways, I I, I hope you guys uh, are doing okay. Hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for, for taking time with me. Uh, I appreciate you spending some time. This has been episode 131 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We love you. Peace.